Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and you are on the Bible Thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it. Uh, Caleb Jenks, my regular host, is going to be joining me here any second. If you can believe it, we've had a couple of audio-visual problems. So we're just trying to fix that on Caleb's end and get his computer working to bring him in. But while we start, let me just tell you what we're going to be going over tonight and how you can be a part of it. So number one, you guys can comment, you can ask questions, you can be a part of this podcast in many ways. So we would encourage you, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, that you would post a comment, you would ask a question, and you would get involved. It's always fun, even if you just tell us hello, who you are, and where you're watching from. That's always exciting. And then don't forget that you can follow us on uh, Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. If you just hold your phone up to the screen and scan the QR code, that'll take you right to our podcast platform. And you can subscribe to that. You can like us, you can download, you can follow us, you can share those things around, and that helps a whole bunch. Along with that, we now have a Patreon page. You can find us at Bible Thumper Podcast on Patreon. You can support us. Uh, if you can believe it, podcasts cost money to run every month, and we don't make any. So we would love to break even one day. If you are listening to us just on a podcast platform, consider uh, following us when we do a live video every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 8 p.m. Central. Now, what we're talking about this evening. <coughs> we are going over the subject... What commandments do we need to follow? And believe it or not, this was Caleb's idea, which is convenient because he's not on here yet. So I'm left hanging out to dry. But let me tell you where we've been because we've been gone for about seven months. So what happened was me, Patrick, uh, went back to school and that was in the evenings. I went to EMT school and that went on for several months. Uh, I did great. I graduated with 102% top of my class. And then I went on and took another class uh, for an IV certification. I started doing my clinicals. And then COVID came in and uh, they required me to get a shot and wear a mask and do all these things that I wasn't really a fan of doing. So I didn't follow through and I am not technically an EMT. I'm just a guy that did really well in the school. But that took up several months. And then right after that, uh, my dad got sick and he died. And then I was helping out my mom, you know, with the funeral and and just helping her with all the things that happen after someone passes away. And that was several months. And uh, I got back in touch with Caleb and I was seeing if he wanted to get back on and start doing the podcast again. And uh, it turned out I couldn't get a hold of Caleb. I had to talk to his wife because Caleb ended up being in federal prison because he was selling um, uh, COVID vaccine um, cards, fake ones that he was having made. Uh, I think, I don't know, it was either Cuba or Venezuela. It was some communist country. And um, he got, it was a whole big thing. You know, it was international law and, you know, Interpol was involved. It was a mess. But Caleb, uh, he was in federal prison for a while. And then he just got out and... Um, you know, now we're back to it. So anyway, that's exciting. So here we are. This is our first night together and I've been going for four minutes and Caleb is still not in here with me. So I'm going to send an invitation to Caleb 
to see if I can get him on here again. Let's see there, send. I know this is all great audio. I mean, there's nothing better in radio than having one guy talk and drone on. Okay, so Caleb's in. Caleb, can we hear you? I am here. I can hear you loud and clear. Wow, Caleb's in. Okay, that's great. So I'm going to switch this over to this. I'm going to take away that. And Caleb, we are live. So I gave everyone the intro. I told them about our break and what happened. I tried to cover for you as best as I could, but I figured (laughs) honesty was the best policy. So I really, I really appreciate you with with friends like you who need enemies. (laughs) So Caleb, we are talking about what commandments do we need to follow? Now, this was your idea. So I have lots of scripture to talk about, but I'm not really sure. How about this? Start out by telling us what made you think of this topic. What do you, I mean, well, where did it come from? Go ahead. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's something that I've obviously, I think most Christians have uh, probably milled this around in the back of our mind or tried to figure this out uh, practically and theologically from time to time. But I, what it was kind of the tipping point for me is a, a friend of mine that went to our church and, and moved out of, out of state sent me a link recently to a, I believe it was a TikTok preacher, if there is mm. such a thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when the communist uh, Chinese platform of TikTok came along, they were thinking about trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was, <laughs> was the goal. But nonetheless, apparently, preachers are getting on TikTok now. And so he had some really fiery uh, things to say about the Old Testament and about the law of Moses, and he was uh, very dis- dismissive of it. And I, I got to thinking about it after I listened to this guy, and I was like, you know what, this isn't something that you hear people talk about that much, and it's something that probably should be addressed, because it is an issue that uh, people tend to go one way or the other on, and I tend to, <clears throat> it's kind of funny, it's, I don't know if other. it's the other or not, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's just, I think it's worth spending some time to, to discuss it. So. so what do you find people typically side on when, so here's the idea and let me set the stage and you tell me if I'm totally off. You got a Christian, they get saved. They've got a Bible. They're reading through the Bible and they notice that there are a lot of things that God says to do and to not do. Are we, are you with me so far? Okay. So they go through the whole Old Testament, they read through the whole New Testament, and they're starting to get their mind wrapped around the whole story and, you know, who Jesus is and the new church and and, in the Old Testament and the Jews and the covenants between God and the whole thing. And we're taught, hopefully, hopefully we are talking about the Christian that says, you know what, I love God. I want God to be happy with me. So which one of these rules am I supposed to follow and which one's do I not have to follow? And that's right. the question. Is that where we're coming from? Yeah, I think so. And and also, should we just be whole, uh, wholesale dismissing the Bible? Uh, because the, the so Old Testament and the New Testament. So that's one side of the spectrum. Yeah. To me, that's, that's, where, that's where that is oftentimes where you're going to be led to. Because if you have that question and you're a smart enough guy that you've actually opened your Bible and read it and you notice, you come across things other other than John three sixteen, or other than you know a, an encouraging verse of the day that you get out of the Bible app, and you've actually done your homework enough to actually at some point stumble across Leviticus, and you start seeing this stuff, you're going to be like, wait, this is a lot of a lot of requirements in here. Am I supposed to do this? So then 
you've got that question in your head and there's likely going to be a pastor that comes along and preaches a really good sounding message at some point or some uh, TikTok preacher or Instagram preacher <laughs> that's going to tell you, hey, uh, that's the Old Testament and we're under a new covenant and Jesus did away with everything that was in the Old Testament. And so all that we have now is the New Testament and just wholesale dismiss everything. Okay, now can I set some ground rules before we begin? Uh, yeah. And I want you to object to these if you have a problem, but okay. I want to start making sure we're on the same page. Okay, so rule number one, anytime in the next hour, you and I are talking about obeying the commandments of God, it has nothing to do with salvation. Right. Okay, so we're clear to start with. This is the beginning at no time is Caleb or Patrick saying that obeying commandments found in the Bible, that is related to salvation. We are saying... I would have waited salvation. I would have waited like 30 minutes into it until we got somebody yelling at us in the comments is what I would have preferred but, to do before we, before we straightened that out. And you but know thanks why for I taking all the drama up. out of the episode. Yeah, you know why I brought this up. Because so many times Caleb and I would be going through a discussion about anything. It doesn't matter. And we would bring up some commandment in the Bible and say, look, you know, God says you got to do this. And people would be like, you don't have to do that to get saved. And we would, I mean, I can't pull my hair out because I don't have any. Uh, I could pull my beard out. Okay. But every time it's like, guys, no one is saying that. No one here is saying obedience is required for salvation. Okay. The work Jesus did on the cross, that is where salvation comes from. It's not what I do for by grace, you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Agreed? Right. Okay. Number two, anytime the Bible talks about obeying the commandments of God, it is not talking about salvation. Agreed? Correct. Okay. So with that being said, the Bible talks, the Bible has lots of commands, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. There are ones in the Old Testament, which it is popular to just wholly dismiss. And then there are commands in the New Testament which it's popular to ignore. Correct. And that and 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 that's where we are. It doesn't change the fact that from cover to cover God says do this, don't do that. And that's what we're talking about tonight is do I have to obey everything in the Bible? Do I have to obey some of the stuff in the Bible? Is it okay to obey nothing that is said in the Bible? Right. And that's what we're hashing out. Agreed? Yep. Okay. So what do you find to be the most popular stance in America today? Probably the same thing that, that God was dealing with in the Israelites back, back in the uh, journey out of Egypt is the popular thing for humans to do, whether you're Christian or not, is to rebel against God. And unfortunately, I don't find Christians transforming or being radically transformed away from that mindset as much as I feel like God intends for us to. And especially when we have, um, I, I guess you could say some of them being false teachers or, or, or preachers, pastors that are encouraging people to, to disregard everything, uh, everything that we are supposed to be walking in obedience to. So I think that I would find it to be by and large uh, myself included 
we're probably, uh, even those that are conscious of this or those that do want to walk in obedience to God or honor God, we by default are, are probably in rebellion to God more often than not. Uh, but especially if you have somebody that tells you right off the bat, hey, just ignore anything that's in the in the Bible that doesn't sound pretty or that sounds like it's hard to deal with, because that's Old Testament, that's the Old Covenant, we're under a New Covenant, you just dismiss everything that's there. And so that sounds good, and, and you can make it, you can sell that. I mean, it sells itself, right? It's like, yeah. oh, that's great news, that's as good yeah. as the gospel right there. Yeah, it's like cigarettes, okay? They're cool, <laughs> they're addictive, they sell themselves. We don't need to push them, all right? They should just spread around the world. Okay, so what about, so let me ask you this, because Caleb, I this is, this is what I explain to folks that start down that road. I say, okay, you got, <clears throat> you got a couple of problems. Number one, we are monotheistic. Right. And people usually look at me, number one, because maybe they don't know what it means. And number two, they have no idea what the point is that I'm making. The same God God that wrote the Old Testament wrote the New Testament. Agree? There's not two different gods. There's one. We believe in one God. We are monotheistic. We are not polytheistic. We do not believe God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Ghost, are three different gods. We don't believe that Jesus in right. the New Testament is a different God than God the Father in the Old Testament. But that's how people act. People act as though they are polytheistic. And God goes over this over and over and over again and explains to people, Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. James 1, 17, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. God's the same and it's the same God. Right. So that's what we're running into as our first problem. Tell me what you think. Okay, so... Uh, just to cut straight to the chase with this, I think that probably most Christians, um, I think we could all see this if we spent much time in the Bible. Paul is probably the number one stumbling block. It would be Paul's words that most people would be stumbling over. And I want to get into this because I, I think Paul is one of the greatest sources of, of insight into this particular issue. But he says some things that are very, very radical because Paul was tired of the idea that they were going to go his, his number one goal was to spread the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And so when he was bothered when there was Jews that were saying, hey, we want, to turn, we want to turn Gentiles into Jews. We want to convert people into Jews. He's like, no, we want to turn people into Christians. We want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't need to go around and start circumcising people. We need to get people saved. So and, this was Paul's to, to heart. To add to that, what Caleb is talking about, these are problems that Paul ran into when you read in the book of Acts. It actually talks about people who were saying that the Gentiles needed to first become Jews and then they could become Christians. So the first thing you had, the first step was to convert to Judaism. And then after that, you became a Christian. And Paul was saying, no, that is not what uh, God said. Am I correct? Correct. So if you read in um, Galatians, um, we have a we have we have 
Paul, and I'm just going to turn to this. I should have had it pulled up. I believe it's Galatians chapter 3. Uh, so he's, he is, and this is, it's all over, it's all over in the New Testament where Paul is going over the fact that we are no longer held under the, under the old law. We, we are under grace, not under, under the law. And so these are, these are going to be quotes where I actually find, I find the Ten Commandments all reaffirmed and written. If you're going to obey Paul's commands, you, it would be impossible to disobey the Ten Commandments and obey Paul's commandments because Paul uh, reaffirms everyone and, and explains in greater detail all of the Ten Commandments, for instance. And I'm just talking about the Ten Commandments there. There's plenty more to, to talk about. So with... Why is my internet messed up? This is, I'm off to a great start, man. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, um, can you look at Galatians 3, 23 through 25? Yeah, Galatians chapter 3, 3, 23. Okay, and we're going to pull up the full chapter here, and we're going to read it. Okay, Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 23, but before faith came... We were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us on to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Well, that sounds but, like it says it. Isn't that, isn't, if you were to think of a verse that would be quoted against, you know, about Christians disregarding everything in the Old Testament, that is probably, I think, probably the number one most popular verse that somebody would quote. And it's yeah. a great verse when you understand the heart of what Paul was getting at. But he doesn't actually say that if you keep the Old Testament law, that you can't be a Christian or that you're not under grace. He doesn't say that. He's, he's, uh, that, that verse there is widely misunderstood. If you, if you continue to read through, and I'm not going to uh, go into these yet, I have scripture references where each and every one of the Ten Commandments are reaffirmed in the New Testament. So even if you didn't read the Old Testament, you go into the New Testament and you read it, and they're, they are reaffirmed. Jesus reaffirms um, the, the law and the prophets. And so I think if you go with if you go with Jesus, which to me, there's no more powerful words ever spoken than the words of Jesus Christ. So to disregard the words of Jesus, there's a pastor, um, Anders, Andy Stanley, uh, I have a quote here from him. He says that we need to unhitch the Old Testament from our faith. Um, and he's the pastor of North Point Community Church in Georgia. This is a just one example. There's hundreds and hundreds of examples of quotes of pastors railing against the Old Testament and, and telling Christians how they need, to, they need to basically rip that part out of their Bible and disregard it, or it's there just for good commentary. Uh, so I... I think that I think that maybe this is what Jesus would have been referring to. If you look in Matthew chapter five, we're all familiar with the Beatitudes, but Jesus goes on from there to say uh, in verse thirteen, after he after he goes through the uh, the Beatitudes, he says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men." You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And I don't think these good works are us just coming up with like cool things to do that make us look great in the community. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on in, in verse uh, verse 17, he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever... Therefore, sh- therefore, shall break one of the one of these least commandments, and shall teach men. So he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. So here, Jesus, and again, this is his gripe with the scribes and Pharisees, isn't that they? Are preaching the commandments is that he says here in verse 19 you should do them and teach them and do them he says in another another verse that um if to do what the pharisees tell you but not what they do like the whole the the, the, the same old do as i say not as i do kind of a thing jesus was like yeah that's the pharisees for you and your righteousness must exceed this the righteousness of the scribes and pharisees or you will no ways no case enter the kingdom of heaven so obviously, he's saying it doesn't matter how good of a Pharisee you are, how good of a obeyer of the Old Testament law, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven except for grace. And and we've all we've all in the kingdom of heaven. If we um, if we break one of these least commandments and teach teach men to do so, we will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So when yeah. you have a pastor that tells you, hey, just disobey the Old Testament. We're not on here to say they're not Christians, they're not saved, they're not going to heaven. But Jesus says, if we want to figure out who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, he says, if you if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. And, and he's so, specifically talking about the law and the prophets here. Sorry, not just his commandments, but the law and the prophets. No, he is. And one thing you got to notice is that in verse 19, Jesus says, uh, whosoever there shall, there, uh, therefore shall break one of the least commandments and teach men so he shall be called the least where? In, in the, the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. heaven. Jesus is talking about saved people. These are people in the kingdom of heaven. It has nothing to do with getting to heaven. He's talking about people that are saved are supposed to be obeying my commandments. That's what he's telling us there. Yep. Is that, <clears throat> now, we see this, and, and if we go to uh, the, the books of First uh, John, and uh, you can also find it in Second John, but I'm just going to focus on the book of First John for a second. Uh, we, we see this again. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My little children, these things write I on to you, that ye sin not. Now, Caleb, I'm bringing this up because I run into Christians all the time that will flat out tell me, that you can do whatever you want. That, right. you know, they're like, oh, everything's covered by the blood. Again, we are not talking about salvation. Do you understand that after you get saved, there is this process that goes on for the rest of your life called sanctification, where God is trying to get you to act less and less like a moron and more and more like him. 
We are supposed to be changed into the image and likeness of Christ. We are supposed to do his will. We are supposed to walk in his footsteps. We are supposed to obey Jesus. We're supposed to obey the commandments of God. Well, how do <coughs> it says here, John is writing on to us these things that we sin not. Well, how do we know if we're sinning or not? Well, we find the commandments that are written down and we obey them. John says, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So, Caleb, do you know Jesus? Yes. How do I know that? Because you see me walking in obedience to God, or because That's I told what the you Bible says. The okay, because the Bible says if Caleb's keeping his commandments, well, guess what? I know that he knows them. That's what First John chapter two is talking about. It continues in First John chapter three, verses twenty-two through twenty-four. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Do you know that obeying God is related to getting your prayers answered? That's right. part of it. Now, there, there oh, yeah. are books written on and prayer. Every, and every other promise in the Bible. Every, okay, so... so strings let me, attached. Let me ask you this one, Caleb. How often do you hear people talking about the blessings of God? Blessings oh, yeah. of God. Very popular. Oh, lots. Oh, blessings of God are wonderful. While, while, you're, while, <laughs> while your friend is stirring the creamer into their coffee at the coffee shop in the morning, before they take their first sip, they're, yep. they're, they're remembering blessings the blessings of God. of God. Blessings of God. Oh, man, do we ever love hearing about the blessings of God. Before we dig into our first church. bite of food, we ask you God to bless it. it. Oh, <laughs> blessings of God. Okay, Caleb, let me ask you this. How often do you hear about the curses of God? Pretty rarely. About as, say, about as often as I hear people quoting from Leviticus. Yeah. Can we say not as often as the blessings <laughs> yeah. of God? Here's the problem, right. though, Caleb. You ready for this? If someone believes that God blesses those that are obedient, then don't we have to, by default, believe the rest of the chapter that says right. he curses those that are disobedient? Right. How can we believe in half of a chapter? If we right. believe in the blessings of God that come upon people who are obedient, and that's what the Bible says. And if you don't believe me, read Deuteronomy chapter 28. The entire chapter is about nothing but how God is going to treat those that bless that uh, uh, how God is going to bless those that obey him and how God is going to curse those that disobey him. That's the whole chapter. God tells us this because, OK, now I'm going to I'm trying to get all the way around and make a point. Caleb, why does God give us a command in the first place? I don't care. Pick whatever commandment you want. Let's not even name one. God gives us commandment X, Y, Z. He says, don't do this. Why does he tell his children not to do that, Caleb? It's for our own good and our safety and protection. You got it. Because it's bad for us. And Caleb, right. when God says, hey, do this, why does he tell us to do this? Because it's good for us. Because it's good for us. Which right. is why 
God tells the children of Israel, he says, hey, I'm setting before you today, life and death, blessings and cursings. You're about to go across the Jordan River into the promised land. Before you go, you got to make a decision. You're either going to obey me and get blessings and choose life, or you're going to disobey me and get cursings and choose death. And you know what God says after that? He says, choosing choose this day. life. Right. He says, choose life. As if they were all sitting there pondering what to do. They're like, oh, man, let's see. Uh, curses and death or blessings in life. Right. And they're like, man, I just don't know. Okay, so God helps them out. He says, choose life. God wants to bless us, but he wants us to obey his commandments because it's good for us. He loves us, and he wants us to do what he says. He doesn't want us to do whatever we want. That's never been part of the plan. That's not right. the program. That's not what the Bible teaches. And let me just say, friend, if you agree with my tirade of a monologue over the last two and a half minutes, you are not the weirdo. They are. The rest of Christianity in the world, they are the weirdos. They are the morons. Do not for a second accept what they tell you because you want to obey what God says that there's something wrong with you and your doctrine. That is idiotic. The Bible from cover to cover talks about if we are going to love God, we are going to do what he says. We are going to reject the ideas of the people that go against the Bible, which the Bible calls fools. And we are going to do whatever we can to obey God. And you know how that's going to make us look? It's going to make us look weird. We are going to look like the weirdos. But friend, you are not a weirdo. God loves it when you obey him. And blessings come from obedience. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look through my drawers for All right. my blood pressure medication. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I was about to poke fun at these preachers that get their blood pressure up in order to prove their point. <laughs> You know. <laughs> oh man okay so no you make a really really good point and and you had made a point in in your opening statement about christians that are walking in obedience to god are not working they're not earning their salvation through those works and we're Correct. not on here to promote that no. and i think jesus i think jesus is very clear about this when he says those in the kingdom of god that are that are promoting disobedience to God are going to be least in the kingdom. He doesn't say they're going to burn in hellfire. Correct. He says they're going, they're going to be least in the kingdom. And I think, so I, I think that is, it's, it's important to keep that in mind as we offend you on this podcast here. We're not saying you're going to hell. We're just no, saying, not we're enough. just saying you're, it's a false, false teaching. If you're teaching yeah. people to disobey God, yeah, you're still saved. You're just wrong. <laughs> That's it. That can be fixed so, easily. Can I go into Matthew chapter 22 and read something here? Jump in, buddy. Jump in. All right. So uh, if we go to the end of Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, um, this was after the, they, they, had been, they had been testing Jesus on, on uh, taxes, on the resurrection, and whatnot. And then they come to him and they give him a, a, a trick question to try to ask him which is going to be the greatest commandment. Mm -hmm. So when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silent, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said it unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. 
And the second is like to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So one could say, um, they, one could say that, well, Jesus only reaffirms these two commandments here. Um, and this is what, to me, Jesus was reaffirming all of the commandments. Um, he was saying, this sums up, this is the heart of all of the law and the prophets, not just the Ten Commandments, but all of the law and the prophets is on these two points. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if you go through the Ten Commandments, we see... we Can see. I, let me jump yeah, in. Go ahead. Caleb is going to be answering a question that comes up here. Uh, Beverly asked, what is the difference between the Ten Commandments versus the Law and the Prophets? And I just want to jump in on that and then let Caleb finish with the Ten Commandments. We're going to put this together. Keep in mind, the Ten Commandments are part of the Law of Moses. Okay, right. they, they were separate for the purpose of the lesson Caleb is about to give you. They're, they're no more important or not important than every other command we find in the Bible. It, it got, but God puts these 10 together because Jesus talks about them specifically and refers back to them in his earthly ministry here in the book of Matthew when he is trying to make the point about the most important commandments. Caleb, please continue. Okay, and before I continue, since that was brought up, I think that it's wise to bring something else up. So, obviously, the Old Testament is full of commandments, mm -hmm. lots of different commandments. Lots of them. And I would, I, I typically break them down into three categories, but God does not. And mm -hmm. I, I believe this is why God does not break them down into, into specific categories. I think it's helpful to break them in, into categories of moral law of judicial law and ceremonial law. I don't know. That's what I would call it. I'm sure there's different categories to put it into. But at the time when these laws were given, and if you got, if you remember, there was a time when God said that the people had, re, had rejected him and they wanted an earthly king. Mm -hmm. But before that, the judicial law, the moral law, everything, their ceremonial law, this was literally, it's, a very, it's not like living in the United States where mm -hmm. we have, where we have a democracy and we get to vote on things. God was literally micromanaging everything in their life. If somebody got into a quarrel about why their donkey died or why somebody got slapped or stabbed or any little problem, God was mm -hmm. in charge and he had people in charge of taking care of the nation of Israel. It was a nation and God was in charge. So, so it was a very, very different time then it, than it is now. It, it's called a theocracy. Right. So you got to understand that there were judges. Moses was a judge, along with being a prophet. And when the people had problems, they brought it to the judge. But when the judge didn't know what to do, the way the Bible reads is Moses would literally look up to God and say, okay, God, how do we do this? And God would answer him. So God was ultimately the supreme ruler of the nation. He was the head of the government, along with being the God of their religion. We don't have that anymore. So things are different once governments entered the picture. Is that correct, Caleb? Yep, absolutely. And that happened, and it's recorded in history in the Bible, and we see the change that, that took place at that point. God was no longer micromanaging every aspect of every little dispute that came up. He was like, all right, fine, you want a king? I gave you your king. You guys figure yep. this stuff out on your own. And good luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, yeah, by the way, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, really, that's exactly what he said. He's like, this is going to be a nightmare, just so you know. Good luck. So in, in general, for me, ceremonial law is something that 
Jesus pretty much fulfilled everything to do with a lot of the temple stuff that was going on, sacrifices, ceremonial law, and much of the judicial law now by default pretty much gets replaced. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, also, with ceremonial law, something else also have to understand, the temple does not exist. Right. It's gone. The Romans destroyed it. Yeah, like where, where do you practice yeah. that? Like in your garage? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> there, there is no temple to bring your sacrifices to. There is no, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Ark of the Covenant or the Mercy Seat. There is no table of showbread. There's no table of incense. There's no, you know, brazen laver. There's no altar. There, it's right. all gone. It's destroyed. And it's never come back. It is going to come back one day. But understand that all of that stuff is over and done with. It's impossible to fulfill. Go ahead. Right. So, yeah. So a lot of the ceremonial law, and I, I think that our judicial law, when you look into our, our laws and our system, thankfully, um, because God has put in, our, in us a sense of right and wrong, even though mankind has messed things up, you will see similarities between judicial law now and judicial law in the Old Testament. But when it comes to moral law, the moral law is going to be, if you really, if you want a good, quick, brief overview of moral law, go to the Ten Commandments. And Jesus summarized it even, even shorter in what I just read there in Matthew. But the, the moral law is really, um, is really I, I, don't, I don't think that mankind, doesn't matter what, what covenant we're, we are in, in with God, what agreement we have, what standing we are as Christians or Jews or whatever, I don't believe that mankind is ever exempt from the moral law because it's like the law of gravity. You can disagree with it, but it still works. And it still is there, like Patrick said, for our good. So if you go over the Ten Commandments, and I'm just going to reread Jesus's words here and keep this in mind as we read the Ten Commandments, uh, because Jesus says that on these two commandments hung hang all the law and the prophets. He says that the first and great commandment is that thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love for thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if we go into the Ten Commandments, the first commandment everybody should know is that we will have no other gods before us, right? It would be impossible to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and, and, and then also have another God on the side. It's just impossible to do. I don't think that as Christians that there's any reason that we could or would have any issue with that, and the New Testament is full of reaffirmations of this. Um, if you go to Matthew 22, um, where Jesus is, is going over this here, it, it was a no-brainer. Nobody was disputing it then. I don't see... I don't see any sane Christian anywhere that could say, well, yeah, we could have some other gods. I mean, unless, well, unless you're Catholic, maybe, but we'll have some statutes anyway. But I think most Christians agree you can't be a Christian and have other gods on the side. That's like being married and having another wife on the side. Okay. At least could so, we say that it is impossible to love God if you have other gods? Just right. Like, just like you said, how can I love my wife? if I have other wives. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the second commandment is not to make, it's basically like the, the obvious, the obvious um, of the first commandment, not to make for yourself an object to worship to. So you're, you can't not, not only are you not supposed to have another God, you're not also supposed, also supposed to worship or have another object that you could worship as another God. I mean, that's, it's, mm -hmm. It's pretty, and uh, John, 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. This is, again, reaffirmed in the New Testament. 
Um, Jesus reaffirmed his first one in the New Testament. Um, and I could have pulled up more references on all of these where they're reaffirmed in the New Testament. Okay, the third one, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Um, James chapter 5 says, uh, verse 12 says, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Um, Jesus was pretty clear about this in the New Testament as well. You can't use the name of the Lord your God in vain. And I think this goes beyond just just using swear words that include God in it, but also using God um, to get what you want out of people. The Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is this is probably the one that's the most disputed and yet still the most kind of widely practiced by Christians in some kind of messed up version or other. Um, a lot of Christians wouldn't would would dispute needing to keep the Sabbath, but yet they would still try to have some sort of a day of, of rest. And Jesus observed the Sabbath, um, although not quite like the Pharisees, Jesus did observe the Sabbath in the New Testament. Honor your father and your mother. Okay, so this, from here, now it gets into that. The first part, I believe, up until the Sabbath day is about God and about loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, from here on, Jesus is summarizing the rest of these commandments as loving your neighbor as yourself. So honor your father and your mother. And it's kind of, it's kind of odd to think this, but have you ever noticed this, Patrick? Like, your best tool in preaching the Bible is the Old Testament. It's hard to point people's sin out unless unless they can understand what sin is and what God sure. expects of us and what what's required of us. So if you go through the Old Testament, there's plenty of information there about how we're supposed to treat and how we're not supposed to treat our father and our mother. But we're supposed to honor them, and it's reaffirmed again in uh, the New Testament. You shall not murder. That one's pretty clear. I don't think that any Christian would feel like that somehow because we're under grace that now we're free to go murder people. It's just that's nonsense. Um, it would be impossible to obey Jesus's words of loving your neighbor as yourself and go and murder them. Um, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, that was reaffirmed by Jesus in the New Testament. Uh, you shall not steal. Uh, again, that was reaffirmed in uh, the New Testament by Jesus. Uh, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And that was reaffirmed as well. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. And any of these things here, of course, are reaffirmed in the New Testament, but it would be impossible to be a good Christian and to love your neighbor as yourself and to steal from your neighbor or give false witness against your neighbor or to commit adultery. So these are timeless moral laws that God put into place way back when that still apply now, that you can't love your neighbor as yourself and break any one of these commandments in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Colossians says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. That was not Jesus's words. That's in Colossians. So here we have the apostles again reaffirming the, the laws in in the Old Testament. Paul does more of this than anybody else. If you look at Paul's words, he reaffirms the Old Test Old Testament commands in his own words over and over and over again. Um, and so yet people are stumbling over Paul's words and saying, "Well, Paul says we're no longer under the law; we're under grace." Well, yes, we are, but that doesn't mean that we have to walk in disobedience to God in order to be Christians. Um, that's just that's just nonsense. So the simple point is when you look at what Jesus said was the most important law, loving God, and the most important law, loving others, that is numbers one through four in the Old Testament, okay, loving God, numbers five through ten in the Old Testament of the Ten Commandments, uh, loving another. And what we find with all the commandments that God gives us, Old Testament and New Testament, is how to do those things. 
That's the whole idea behind it. How do you love your wife? How do you love your kids? How do you love your neighbors? How do you love God? That's what the commandments are there for. You believe it or not, how do you love yourself? The commandments are there for your good, for the good of your family, for the good of God, for the good of your neighbors, for the good of your community. And that's what we find is they're they're broken down. Okay, Caleb, I'm going to bring something in here and just show you something so I can give everyone an idea. And I'm going to do this. Okay, there we go. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen that T-shirt anywhere? Yeah. What would Jesus do? WWJD, right? What would Jesus right. do? How many times have we seen that T-shirt or we've seen that bracelet or we've heard that idea or seen it on a billboard or whatever? Do you want to know something, Caleb? We know what Jesus did. Right. That's what the Gospels are about. There is never a man on earth that had more written about his life than Jesus. We know everything that he did. And let me tell you, nobody cares. Christians do not care what Jesus did. Christians are concerned with one thing in America today, trying to make the Bible say that what they do in their life every day is exactly what God wants them to do. No more, no less. We know what Jesus did. It's irrelevant. If you go through and make a list of all the things Jesus did, I hate to tell you, our modern-day American Christian churches and our modern-day American Christians do not resemble it. We know right. what Jesus did. You know, one of the most puzzling verses in the Bible where Jesus says that greater things, um, that we're going to be able to do greater things than he did? Mm -hmm. that, isn't that isn't that a really odd verse? Because it's not something that we see in real in practice, right? I mean, we just don't see people walking around, uh, you know, healing people of their leprosy and spitting in their eyes and like their eyesight comes back. And I mean, we have some fake TV shows out there where these guys are faking stuff, but for the most part, we don't see that. But the thing is, is is again, this is the very same thing that you mentioned earlier on. A lot of people like the promises of God. We like to recite that promise, right? If you look in John chapter fourteen. Uh, where is it here? Uh, let's go down. Tell well, me what. It's where Philip was, Philip was asking him to show us the Father. Okay, I'm just going to go at verse 8 here. I'm going to start okay. right here, verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believe Believest thou not that I that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Here Jesus is saying, uh, again, this to me reaffirms the fact that Jesus' commands are God's commands, God's commands are Jesus' commands. Again, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then it goes on, the very next verses, he says, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is a promise of God, but he's also like, hey, also remember, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, 
And I will pray the Father, and he, he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom, you, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know, know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye sh see me, because I live, ye shall also live. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and in me. And I in you, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he is it that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So he says, he that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved by my father, and I will love him. So God obviously loves the whole world, right? He, was, he loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies with God. But God hates it when we're sin. He hates. He loves us, but He hates our sin. Hates it. We. He hates our sin even when we're Christians, and yet His blood still covers the sin. But He says, um, and this again, this is the blessings of God that are a condition of us walking in obedience to Him. He says, "He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest himself, and I will manifest myself to him." So, obviously, I think this is, uh, this is very easily overlooked by just saying, oh, you know, I got Jesus. I got Jesus on this little keychain. I got, I got this, the cross around my neck, you know, whatever it is that we, we got Jesus. This, Me and Jesus this, got uh, our own thing going. Me and yeah. Jesus got it all worked out. Right. And so we, we easily just brush over verses like this. And we kind of forget there's actually some meaning to what Jesus is saying here. And, and his, his love and promises to us are on a bit of a condition of us keeping his commandment. It doesn't mean that, he's, that we're going to burn in hell, but we're not going to necessarily feel the love of God manifest unto us when we're under the wrath of God because of his, of his curse that we're bringing upon ourselves. It's hard to feel God's love when we're walking in disobedience to him and we're paying the consequences for that. Caleb, I was talking to someone that comes to, comes to our church uh, today. Actually, two people stopped by the house to visit. And one of them was telling me about how they really struggle with going out of their way and giving the gospel and being kind of confrontational, especially with strangers. And I don't know if I showed you these. We got these little cards made up. And All right. uh, these cards say, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven if you died today? And it's got a little QR code, brings you right to a video uh, that is me giving the gospel on YouTube. So it's an easy thing that you can leave with a tip at the restaurant or give to a cashier. I gave three of these out today, you know, just going to Taco Bell and McDonald's to get a cup of coffee and whatnot. Anyway, they said that they do a better job of sharing the gospel with people they know and people they don't know their life is a testimony. Now that only works one way, right? Your life can only be a testimony if you obey God. That's the only way it works. Otherwise we're showing everybody that we're a disobedient Christian. The only way it works is when we do what God says and our life looks, you ready for this? Drastically different from everybody else. Now, Caleb, to add to what you were saying in the book of John there, 
in first john chapter five verses two and three and this is something that i really <coughs> found just to be wonderful by this we know that we love the children of god when we love god and keep his commandments for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous the commandments of god are not supposed to be a burden never jesus tells us very clearly his burden is easy his yoke is light when we obey the commandments of god it is to be a blessing to us our life is supposed to be blessed by it we are supposed to find commandments in the bible and say praise god i can do this and my life will be better. That's right. the way we're supposed to look at it. And everyone has this habit of going through the Bible and reading these rules and saying to themselves, oh, man, more stuff I got to do. Like an impetulant child that can't stand the idea that there's a fence around the yard where they're having recess. And he can't stand right. the idea that someone would put up a fence. Now, the teacher and the, the groundskeeper and the principal decided to put a fence up there because there's a highway on the other side of it. And they don't want kids running after a ball into traffic. Right. But we as Christians are so stupid that we cannot see the fence as a good thing. God put the fence there because he loves us. And it is a wonderful thing. We look at the fence and we're like, man, this is grievous. I can't believe that there's a fence there. Caleb, this, yeah. is, this, is, this is the way I changed. Because my family and I started applying more and more commandments of God that we found in the Bible to our lives. Old Testament, New Testament. When we found something that was different from the way Jesus lived, from the way the apostles commanded, from the way God commanded, we just started implementing it into our lives. I have not found a single commandment that has not made my life better, my family stronger, my walk with God closer. Not one. Right. Not a single one. And Caleb, you and I are from pretty conservative churches, right? Right. I've been to your church. It's very conservative. You know what I believe. It's very conservative. And in these groups... I would say, yeah, I would say fundamental anyway for, for both of us, whether... Yeah. Yeah, very, very much fundamental. In, in these groups, you will have people that are against things that the rest of the world just looks at as like, this is insane. You will, you will have people in our groups that will say, you know, the Christian shouldn't... Um, the Christian, uh, you can't drink. The Christian, you, you can't go out and dance. You can't, you know, do these things of the world, right? And they have all these different standards, and some of them are biblical, and some of them have nothing to do with the Bible, but they have these different standards that they implement, and they, they'll, they'll say you're supposed to do. And none of us are saying that making up commandments outside of the Bible is a good thing, but the, the point is, the Christians are not asking the right questions. The Christians aren't supposed to be asking, well, can I drink? Can I go? And dance? Can I do this? 
That's not the right question. The question is, should I? Should I do these things? Do you want to know one of my favorite commands in the whole Bible? It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Six words. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's a command in the Bible. Now, if you go through 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 to 22, in those 11 verses, there are a lot of commandments. And they're great ones. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Oh, these are great things. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. It was real easy for me to go through the Bible and try to find a commandment of God and obey it when I changed my outlook. My goal was no longer to figure out how many things I can do and how close I can get to the line of where God says not to do it. I wasn't trying to get as close to the fence and as close to the highway as I could. Right. I started saying, you know what? Is this going to be a good thing? Should I do this? I, I, I'm at a point where I don't care if God specifically commanded not to do it. Right. If I find that God is not in favor of it, I should have the heart and the spirit where I say, you know what? If God's not in favor of that, there's a reason. And I should not be in favor of that. Now, I can't preach from the pulpit that it's sinful because it's not. But guess what? It's no good. Caleb, you want to know one of my favorite ones to preach from the pulpit? What's that? Is is on debt. Oh, yeah. Repaying debt. Now, what does God call debt? Bondage. Yes. Does God ever call debt sin in the Bible? No. He doesn't. And let me tell you, I as wish long as you did. Can re- as long as you can repay it, then it's not <laughs> because, a sin. Caleb, I have plenty of folks that need to hear the message that debt is a sin. <laughs> but it's not. Right. It's not. But it is a curse. God says the borrower is servant to the lender. You are You are putting yourself into slavery. It's a bad thing. But what the Bible says is that debt is not sin but it's a curse. Now, some Christians say, well, it's not a sin. I can get in as much as I want. Well, yeah, technically you can. I think that's right. stupid. It's a terrible way to look at it, and you're going to hate your life pretty soon. But yeah, you can. But the way I look at it is, you know what? God says it's a curse. That's bad. I'm right. going to stay away from it, whether it's sinful or not. And don't get me wrong, Caleb, I am a horrible sinner. You know me better than most people in the world. I am not the epitome of, you know, chaste Christian behavior at all. But my best attribute is that I'm honest. Everyone knows exactly where I'm coming from with my sin. Right. But well, when I, as soon as I changed my heart, the whole thing was just so much easier. Go ahead. Sorry, I've been going for a while. Oh, no, you're good. So you brought up a point there that I that I think is is something that sh- I wanted to m- mention. So you you brought up this verse about abstaining from even the appearance of evil. Uh huh. And as a new Christian, okay, say say you've 
you you came into um, well, uh, let's look at the contrast between this. Say you were in Israel, you had been a practicing Jew. If you your your audio just went out. I don't know what happened. Well. As Caleb tries to fix this, I'm going to wind down a little bit and answer a couple questions and see if he can get back on. His camera is frozen and his audio has stopped. So it's par for the course on Bible Thumper. Okay, his video is back. Let's see if we can hear him. Um, Beverly Jean asked a question. I'm sorry uh, about that. Oh, that's okay. Uh, can I uh, can I answer this real quick and then I'll turn yeah, it back yeah. over to you and go ahead. Okay, I was just answering a question. Beverly Jean asked, uh, "Could we get into eternal security? Can we lose salvation after we've been born again?" So, although we're not going to dwell on this, Beverly Jean, the answer is simply no. And the reason for this is that we have not earned our salvation through uh, obedience to God. Therefore, we cannot lose our salvation through disobedience. Uh, if we could, uh, we'd be in trouble, okay? No one would be able to get stay, saved and remain saved. Uh, and if you want some evidence of this, you find out that the Holy Spirit of God is our earnest. It is our down payment upon salvation. So when Jesus starts the transaction, the earnest money is put down, and that is the Holy Spirit, uh, which um, uh, holds us. What's the word? Caleb, what's the Holy Spirit do with our salvation? I just drew a blank. Seals us. The Holy Spirit seals us onto the day of redemption. So the way that it works is when, when Jesus died on the cross, he bled and died. We received Jesus as our Savior. We're born again. Uh, the Holy Spirit seals our salvation. He is the earnest of our salvation. I believe that's in Ephesians, but I'm, I'm not going to look up, look it up now. So uh, he, the, the Holy Spirit is the down payment. And then Jesus redeems us. Okay, he redeems the title. He owns us now, and he redeems that upon our death. But the Holy Spirit of God is that seal. He seals our salvation until the time of our death. There is no sin that uh, can cause us to lose our salvation. If there was, uh, if sin uh, could cause us to lose our salvation, heaven would be an empty place. Okay, Caleb, what were you? What were you saying? Sorry, get back to your point. Um. You forgot, didn't you? No, okay, I remember, sorry. Okay. Um, and to go along with the point that you just made there, which um, I, I agree mostly with what Patrick just said, uh, this is our one this is our one beef that we have. But if, if sin, if our, if our sin in the future as a Christian was going to kick us out of heaven, then the blood of Jesus was, is, is really, uh, it, it, it's only going to do you good for about five minutes. Yeah. Or, well, or maybe a week at best. But everybody, Christians, uh, non-Christians alike, we're still of a fallen nature. And so the blood of Jesus on the cross, if it isn't, isn't adequate to cover for our sins, and even when we're trying to walk in obedience to God, we're going to still screw up and not obey half of the commandments or better yeah, at any given time. time. We're going to be messing up. And that was the whole point of what Paul was saying, is it was a schoolmaster to show us our need for Christ. And so obviously we see that we have that need for Christ and the, and the blood of Jesus is, is certainly there. And that's the only hope that we have. If, if it wasn't for that, there's no point in even really trying, especially as Gentiles, to go, to go in here and try to figure out how to keep enough of the laws of the, the Old Testament in order to be saved. We're just not, not going to get saved through, through the Old Testament laws. So 
Um, you, you mentioned abstaining from anything that looks, uh, from even the appearance of evil. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are, if you were a Jew that grew up in Israel and you had been, I'm assuming that's non-alcoholic, you know, in your <laughs> yeah, convictions on alcohol. It's, <laughs> it's Virgil's root beer. Yeah. I was just okay. showing you that this appears, everyone's like, oh good, he's drinking a beer. Okay. That was a joke as far as abstaining from the appearance of evil. You know, I'm drinking. Yeah, go ahead. Oh man. So you would, if you would have been in, in, Jerusalem at the time that the gospel was being preached, you would have had a pretty good understanding of what God required of his people and what sin was. So the gospel at that point was pretty easy, a pretty easy, easy peasy message to preach. However, when they started going into pagan nations and somebody accepts Jesus in their life, but yet they have a lot of really messed up things that were even viewed as good and helpful and notable things in their culture. This is like what we do in our culture at that point. The, the, your best tool and your best friend is to be able to go back to Leviticus and go back to the law of Moses and say, okay, so what did God require people? What is sin? What is evil? What is the appearance of evil? And it's literally, I mean, the Ten Commandments touch the surface of it, but there, it's everything is spelled out in there. Go ahead. And remember something, folks. When Paul was going on these missionary journeys, there was new, no New Testament. He wasn't teaching them the New Testament. When he set up the church in Thessalonica, he didn't even get to Corinth yet. He didn't get to Athens yet. There were lots of these churches and these letters were not written yet. And when he, so whenever he would go to a city, he would go to the synagogue, he would teach on the Sabbath day, he would try to convince the Jews who Jesus was. A few of them would believe, most of them wouldn't. He would leave, he'd go teach the Gentiles, a bunch of them would get saved. They'd start a church. All they had to teach about Jesus was the Old Testament. That's it. They didn't have any New Testament. And when Paul started writing his letters, and he wrote the letter to the Romans and to the Ephesians, there was no printing press. There definitely wasn't a copy copy. Okay, it's not like they were printing all these pages out and just handing them out to everybody. It was nothing like that. So all of the studying of the Bible, the learning about Jesus and who he was, it all came from the Old Testament. And in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, Thessalonica is in northern Greece. It's on the western side of the Aegean Sea. And let me tell you, it's north of Corinth and Athens. It's by Philippi and Berea. It was a horribly pagan place. There was nothing resembling Christianity there at all. So when they are going down and explaining what to do and not to do, they're like, guys, look, you're not even allowed to do anything that seems evil because you're talking about people that were wholly pagan and had no idea. They had no starting point. Right. Every imaginable, um, wicked, abominable, licentious, sexual perversion that you could ever imagine was literally in the church. Yeah, and it was going on in the culture all around Israel. When Jesus was there, it was going on when he was giving Moses the commandments. I mean, obviously, by some of the things that are written down that God needed to tell them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 have have sex sex with with animals. animals. Don't have (laughs) sex with dead people. Like, don't don't burn your kids in fire as, you know, an offering to Molech. Everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, we'll we'll stop that. I mean, that's what was going on. 
and also when you think about that, when you go back and you read some of that, it's like, oh, so there was some there was some value put on blood in the Old Testament. Literally, the nations around Israel where they were where they were eating eating yeah. uh, raw blood, and yeah, Jesus Jesus is like, you know, when the gospels preached to the Jews, and and they're like, this is the blood of Jesus that's here to save you from your sin, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh wow, they understand yeah. that there's something about the blood that's being special. sacred. We we aren't supposed to just, you know, eat raw, you know, eat raw blood. We're not supposed to, um, it's supposed to be treated carefully in the temple because it's sacred. It's, mm-hmm. it is the atonement that's given for sin. That was something that the Jews would have understood the gospel a lot more easily than if you go to an, into a pagan nation and you, and you pick up, um, and you pick up, you know, some people out of some pagan temple and you're like, Hey, let me show you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're like, Hey, let me, let me, let me you know, well, maybe they don't even tell you they're going to put some clothes on. You know, they're 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 walking yeah. around in nakedness, and they're and they've got yeah. they just finished eating stuff that was forbidden to eat, and they just finished doing things sexually that were forbidden to do. And there's no concept, there's no baseline as far as morals there. And so the, the old go, go ahead, ahead. finish. No, 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 finish, and then I'll jump in. Well, just so if you go back to the Old Testament, it gives it gives a basis for them to say, "Oh, so I am a sinner." <laughs> yeah. It- in the city of Ephesus, which, by the way, is the most written about book in or most written about church in the New Testament. It appears in the book of Acts. Paul wrote the uh, the letter to the Ephesians. It ends up being talked about in the book of Revelation. Jesus writes a letter to it in Ephesus, which was a coastal city on in present day Western Turkey, which at the time was called Asia Minor. It's on the eastern coast of the Aegean Sea. <clears throat> Ephesus had the temple to the goddess Diana. In the temple Diana, there were what was rumored and what you read from history, hundreds of temple prostitutes. These were slaves owned by the temple who the pagans would come to and pay for sex. And that was how the temple generated income. This was done every day this was normal this was looked at as a great thing to do to and worship by the way this is pagan god this is being revived in our culture so don't don't worry this is not this is yeah. not that far i have Coming um, soon to, i'm, to I'm sorry if, if you ever tune into this podcast i'm sorry if i call you out but i have a cousin that grew up in the mormon church that uh, has gotten into pagan stuff and whatever and he's now a priest and making posts on social media as he's a, t- a hashtag temple whore. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh, um, he's no longer Mormon. Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> believe say it so. or not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's going back and, and exploring his roots back in these uh, pagan traditions. And it just cracks me up. But yeah, this was, this is the kind of thing that it would be very helpful to not just completely disregard stuff in the old testament and confuse people from the pulpit when you have people that are in i mean we are living in a little bit cleaned up version of a pagan culture but we're still not living in a a culture that respects the law of moses or respects the commandments of god and so when when you then you become a christian your pastor says oh don't worry about that that's the old testament you got jesus now you're good to go you know (laughs) you know uh, that's that becomes that becomes problematic and honestly it is it is beautiful when you look at what how how careful God was to look over every detail of our life and put guidelines in place that would protect us up from diseases and from mm-hmm. all sorts of different things that we would have been subject to um, he, God was very 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 caring about his people in the in how meticulous he was with the laws 
So one thing that I that I still don't know that I will probably ever, you know, by the time that I get to the end of my life, I don't know that I'll necessarily ever have a real concise, clear list of, or that I would be comfortable giving somebody a list of which commandments that they should follow and say, you should obey this one, this one, this one. I think you're okay without these ones and okay without those. But the Holy Spirit was given given to us to guide us and, and to lead us into all truth. And so I think as we read the Bible, some of these things become pretty common sense. They're not like, it's not real complicated. It's not like we have to sit there and scratch our heads and try to figure out, you know, how, how perfectly can we obey God's law? If there's things that seem like morally that they agree with the teachings of Jesus and Jesus agrees with the teachings of the Old Testament, I don't see why it's an issue, why we should be so afraid to keep it. I don't, I personally don't believe there's any risk of a Christian doing too much from the Old Testament unless you start sacrificing. And uh, I mean, to me, that's just foolishness. If you started trying to sacrifice uh, burnt offerings again when Jesus was our final sacrifice, to me, that is clearly fulfilled through Jesus. And if you started trying to um, push it on other people, I would think that could be problematic. To me, when we obey God, we, we do it simply for our walk with him, and we don't go and flaunt it and show it off. And that was the problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees at that point, is they were really good at cramming it down other people's throats and not doing it themselves. The law wasn't given for us to go and, and shove it down other people's throats. It was given to us to simply obey God, and that's it. We walk in obedience to God, whether anybody else does or not. And the more that we obey God, the more he blesses us. And, and if, we, if, if we come across a commandment and it seems like that God gives it to us and that we should consider obeying it, I don't think you can go wrong. I mean, give it a spin. <laughs> You'll probably find that, oh, so that's why God did this. I mean, there's one that cracks me up how bad the, the Jewish people botched this. And I even have friends in the, in the Messianic Jewish community that, that, that do this. And I, don't, I just think this completely misses the whole, the whole point of, what was what was being said, but God told them to write the laws on their uh, their door, doorposts. So as they entered their houses and exited their houses, that they would see these commands that God had given them. That was the whole idea with the tassels that they were to wear on their garments was to remind them of this covenant that they had with God and, and, and to walk in obedience to God. And so the Jews took these things and they're like, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna shrink this all down and put it in a little box and nail it on the doorpost, which it's I don't think is wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I actually don't think that's ex- at all what was, and I honestly think that you'd be better off to go with a permanent marker up to the trim on your door and start writing commands that when you walk in the door of your house, you read these things, you read Jesus's words, you read the commands that are in the Old Testament, and you actually, it sticks, and it's a, this line in a stand where this is what we stand for in this house, this is what we believe, this is what we do, and we memorize the scripture and we understand it. The Jews took everything and made it as technical as they could. I mean, still, like today, if you go to Israel, there's disputes over how do you push the, the button in an elevator on the Sabbath day because they're trying to technically obey the law. And Jesus was like, all right, let's go for a walk through the cornfield on the Sabbath day and pick some corn just to piss them off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Jesus, I think the heart of the law really is God's love for us, our relationship with each other and with God. And that's how, why Jesus was able to summarize it in two phrases. He's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's that simple. That's the heart of the law. Go ahead. Caleb, you asked the question in the midst of, of, of your monologue there, and it was rhetorical. You said, I don't know why Christians are so scared to try obeying some of the Old Testament. Can I render an answer? Yeah, go ahead. They don't want, they don't want to look weird. 
Well, that's that. Yeah. And that's the problem is doing the things in the Old Testament will make you stand out, not only against the world, which we're commanded to do, but also it will make you stand out as weird with your family, with your in-laws, with people in your church. And people just don't like standing out. Caleb, <clears throat> this is this is what I believe, and, and I think I can support this with Scripture, but it doesn't emphatically say it. When you read through the Exodus, the Jews living in the desert for 40 years, the Jews, you know, going over into the promised land with Joshua, kicking out the inhabitants, living there through the book of Judges, you find that they were constantly fighting against acting like the pagan nations around them. Right. And, and they would kind of lean that way and then God would correct them. And then they would get back and obedient with God. And they would, then they would get back into kind of drifting off into doing what the pagans did. And the way it seems, and, and as I said, this is conjecture. The Bible doesn't explicitly say this. The Jews were just getting so tired of being so different in every aspect of their life. Right. The way they did business, the way they worship God, the way they prepared their food, the way they kept their schedule through their week, the way they practiced medicine, the way their families were set up, the way that every single part of their lives was dictated by God. God right. said, you need to do it this way, not this way. And this way is good and this way is bad. This bad way, there are curses that are going to come. This good way, there are blessings that are going to come. But they were, just like today, they were surrounded by their enemies and their enemies were pagan. And they lived their life so differently from the Jews. And the Jews were just getting tired of being so different. And they're like, why can't I just marry this girl that lives next door? She seems nice. And God's like, nope, can't do it. She, She's from one of the pagans. And she's going to pull your heart away from worshiping me. Right. And they'd say, oh, why can't we just grow our crops all set, you know, every year? God's like, sorry, six years. One, one year's got to take a break. You can work six days. Seventh day, you got to rest. He had all these rules, and they were just constantly getting tired of it. And, and some of my support for this idea is that when they told God that they wanted a king, they said, we want a king because we want to be just like all the other nations. They were tired of being different. They just wanted to be like all the other nations. And Christians struggle with the same idea. Christians very quickly get tired of trying to obey God and be different and be the weirdo. And friend, I'm going to tell you this. Now, Caleb and I, we both celebrate uh, the feast days that you find in the Old Testament, which, by the way, are not the Jews' feast days. They're the Lord's feast days. Just read the I have, to, I have to quick correct you on that and say <laughs> I, what? I do a really sloppy job of trying to celebrate some of them <laughs> when I remember them. All right, so continue your statement. <laughs> okay. So, um, but there are portions, you know, of the Old Testament that, that uh, God, you know, commanded uh, the Jews to do, and I've implemented it into my life. And when I felt convicted by God to do some of these things, I was praying about it. 
And I was like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. I'm going to look like a weirdo. You want to know what his answer to me was? Patrick, you've okay. been a weirdo your whole life. <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah, I have been a weirdo my whole life. I've never fit into any crowd ever. Why should I start now? Why try now? How about I just do what God says because I think it'll make him happy and I think it'll make my life blessed. And I tried it and I loved it. And I still do these things and I still have Christians scratch their head and, you know, and roll their eyes and wonder uh, why I am who I am and I do what I do. But it doesn't matter. Our family loves it and I don't care that I'm a weirdo. If I'm going to be a weirdo, I'm going to be a weirdo for Jesus. Right. And, and I have simply, keep in mind, none of these things, oh, trying to obey the commandments of God, none of us are doing this to try to be better than someone else. None of us are doing this to try to earn our way to heaven. I am doing this simply to try to be more like Christ. Because Jesus did these things. Jesus did all these things. Every single commandment in the Old Testament, Jesus obeyed and he obeyed it perfectly. And I'm just trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. That's it. I know it's weird. I know it's not popular, but that's okay. It's been a great blessing to me and my family. So we're going to keep doing it. And Caleb, I don't know about you, but I don't feel that any of this stuff that we do is a burden. It's right. a blessing. So friend, even if your stance is, I don't think I got to do any of it, fine. But how about you try it because God promises to bless you if you do it. And I hate to be the one to bring this up, but God can't lie. He can't. So if he says, do this and you'll be blessed, guess what? You're going to get a blessing, whether you think you need to do it or not. So that's been such an easy way for me to look at it. And it's turned into just a wonderful thing in my life. Yeah, I, well, I don't need to, I don't need to uh, follow that up with anything. I think that your, I think your life is a testament, a testament to um, somebody that just decided, hey, let's give this a shot. Let's try obeying God and God is blessing you for it. And I think it's just beautiful. I think that, Sometimes we can get we can get afraid of becoming a Pharisee. Um, Paul was a Pharisee in the Bible. Paul studied under one of the most well known Pharisees in the Bible, um, and or of that of that of that time. And he's then later on quoted in the Talmud. He's quoted uh, Jesus had conversations with him in the Bible. This Pharisee, um, Jesus didn't have a problem with their teaching. He had a problem with what they were doing, and that and that was they weren't obeying their own teaching you know they were hypocrites and so jesus uh, that was what jesus was railing against over and over again so i don't think jesus would have would have had a problem with a good pharisee he was just like hey don't be a bad pharisee you know don't be hypocritical and but as christians we're so afraid of becoming becoming pharisees or becoming too legalistic or whatever that we just are like you said you don't want to look weird you don't want to stand out but that god never god never when you look over the mission statement on most churches it is so laughable the difference between that and the, and what Jesus says that was going to be, Jesus says we're going to be persecuted because people didn't like what we were saying or what we were teaching. He says that we're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to be peculiar. And instead, 
so much now the the effort is oh hey let's you know we're uh, we're going to appeal to people because we are we're a cool church we're just like everybody else you know you can come here and hang out and we're just normal people and there's not there's nothing different about us you know we're just like just like your 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 friend down the street and it's like no nah, that's not really you know that's a really messed up version of the gospel that's not yeah. what we're called to be we're supposed to be peculiar yeah it's and a so, terrible advertisement right god, god if he was in the you know if he was the publicist he'd be like uh yeah we're totally missing the message here you like, know, we're selling Jesus, this in the wrong direction. This is not. Jesus what says, we're "If you're telling. if you're not sick, you don't need a doctor." So, yep. if everything's going so good in your culture, why go to church if they're doing the same thing there that you're doing? If you're going there for help, then hopefully there is something different. Otherwise, they have nothing to offer you. Yep. So, I think I think that while that's being said, I do also think that we shouldn't. I mean, Jesus also called out the Pharisees for for making big shows of their life and having long flowing. Uh, you know, prayers, long words and long tassels on their garments or whatever. And I think Jesus was saying, you know what, this isn't about taking this to the extreme and making a big show about how holy and righteous you are. You're all unrighteous. There's no way you could enter heaven without me. You need grace. But he's also saying, hey, listen to what they say. Do what they say. Just don't do what they do. So I think that sometimes, like you said, yeah, that's probably that's one of the reasons is people don't want to look different. They don't want to be different. Another reason is that they're sheep and they go along with it. They're taught and they have pastors that are teaching them that this is Old Testament and we're under a new covenant. And so you dismiss the, the Old Testament. And we are Whatever under a new covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. We yeah. are under a new covenant, but God's laws haven't changed and God's character hasn't changed. God's God is still a holy God and there's still things that are abomination to him now that were an abomination to him before. So just because we're under grace doesn't mean we should go around and try to be an abomination. And the other reason I think is that a lot of people are unfortunately rebellious and we don't like no different than we don't like authority, you know, in the government around us, we are rebellious people, especially Americans. I, for one, I am a very, I'm a very freedom loving rebellious person. And so then when I try to obey God, it just doesn't come natural. And it's just easier to say, Oh, let's just forget that and scrap it Mm -hmm. because you know, it just doesn't fit well into our life. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that I have any magic bullet for it as far as saying, hey, this is, you should keep these and you shouldn't keep those or you should become legalistic about it. I think we do walk in grace and the grace of God covers us when we, when we mess up and we, you know, we miss, you know, miss some of the things that we should be doing. But that shouldn't mean that just because we're under grace that we just dismiss it, we don't try. So I don't want to drag this out forever, but I think that that kind of summarizes the, well, we probably just got the tip of the iceberg, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're fine. I mean, we're an hour and a half into it. What's another minute? Uh, so you, you made me think of something and I think a big part of this is the, the heart that we have when we approach this subject. So have Caleb, how old, uh, how old is Megan? My daughter? Yeah. Nine. And she's the oldest. Is she is nine at the age where when she messes up with something, she starts blaming someone else for it or blaming, you know, it on something else and making excuses? Yeah, I mean, there's there's that tendency for sure. Well, let me tell you, from the age of my kids are 14 down to seven. So I can tell you that for sure, 14, 13 and 12 are definitely the age where anytime they mess up, they blame it on someone else. I mean, okay. it's like out of, it's like, <laughs> right. just shut up, you know? No, uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, we don't want that spirit 
when we go to the Bible. We want the spirit of God, search my heart and know my ways and show me where I am failing you so that I can get right. We do not want to have a hard heart where every time we read something in the Bible that goes against the way we're running our life, we dismiss it and we come up with an excuse for it. If that's the type of heart you have, then you're not going to listen to this podcast for more than five minutes. You're going to find a good reason to write Caleb and I off as crazy guys, and you're not going to listen to us. But if you're going at it with the idea, God, I want to be obedient to you. I want to be blessed by you. I don't care what parts of my life go against the Bible. Just show me so I can change it because I think it'll please you. If we can right. go at it with that type of heart, then it's not a burden. It's not hard. I have so, if the people that come to my church knew half of my convictions, they would either laugh at me or never come back. I have so many convictions, things that I do in my life that are so different from the way everyone else does it. But you want to know something? I don't even push any of this stuff. My right. goal in life is to get people to read the Bible and obey God. That's it. The Lord's going to convict them about something in due time. They don't need to look like me. They don't need to have their life uh, uh, similar to mine. They need to read the Bible and pray to God that he will convict their heart where they need to change and then obey. That's it. If we're doing that, we're all doing great with God. If we're making excuses, then I hate to tell you, you know, you're, you're just not going to get very far. Caleb, um, do you want to shut this thing down or should we just well, go for two we, hours? No, I, I actually do need to shut it down because we were over at my brother's house for dinner and I left with the key for my vehicle in my, in my pocket. Good, so my wife good. is stuck there with the kids without the key for the car. So anyways, uh, I've been getting messages from her, so I need to go pick them up so they can get to bed. But, um, well, one thing that I had mentioned that I'd like to hear you hear your thoughts on, because I think yeah. this is one thing that a lot of Christians are going to be literally, um, they're going to be gripped with fear on this mm -hmm. issue. And that is sure. this, this issue of not just how am I going to appear, but there's going to be this godly fear in their heart of not wanting to be a Pharisee or not wanting to become too legalistic. Sure. Um, what would you say to that, you know, as far as what, like, if somebody says, okay, I'm going to actually read an Old Testament law, yeah. I'm going to consider obeying it, even if my pastor disagrees with me on this, or, or nobody else in my church is doing this, what would you say is the risk, and how do you avoid that, that place that you come into of becoming a Pharisee, basically? Okay, so a couple things. Number one, one of the things the Pharisees were doing that that Jesus didn't like, you already mentioned, they were being hypocritical, where they would teach these things, but they wouldn't do it, or they would do it different from the way they teach it. Number two, the other thing that Jesus didn't like is they would make uh, doctrines out of the commandments of men, meaning they would make they would make up rules that God never said, and they would teach it as if God said it. So if you avoid those two things, 
then you are never going to be like a Pharisee. With that being said, Christians nowadays will call you a Pharisee if you simply try to obey the Bible. Oh, he's being Pharisaical. Oh, he's being legalistic. That's like calling someone a racist nowadays. Right. It doesn't even mean anything. I hear that word thrown around so much now that it's lost its potency. Right. So, Christian, if you are trying your best to obey God, stupid Christians are going to call you legalistic, call you pharisaical. You can just ignore them. They are fools. Who cares? You're never going to make them happy. You're never going to impress them. Your goal is not to make them happy. Your goal is to make God happy. The other thing that I've done, Caleb, is I don't push any of these things. I really right. don't. In my church, what I mostly do is I teach through the Bible. I teach a book at a time. We go chapter by chapter, and I teach what the Bible says. And I hope and pray on my own in my prayer closet that God will convict the members of my church and those that are visiting that hear the teaching of the Word of God, and God changes them as they need to be changed. My conviction is that I am supposed to have a beard. That's my conviction, because that's what God said. Jesus had a beard. In the Old Testament, he talks about how men are supposed to have a beard. Most guys would laugh at that, and most women think that's ridiculous, because a lot of women don't like beards, so they're going to try to talk their husband out of having a beard. That's fine. I don't teach that as a conviction. If anyone ever asked me, and it has come up, I tell them, I have a beard because it is a religious conviction of mine. Give me just a second. I'll be right back. Yeah. In the same way, like G Caleb was talking, you could see as he got up and walked away on the camera, he was wearing white and blue tassels on the borders of his garment. I do the same thing because we read about that. I think it's in Numbers chapter 15, verse 38. <laughs> where God talks about that we are to put these tassels on the borders of our garment and they are to be a reminder of who we are and that we belong to God and we are to remember God's commandments so we don't walk after our own lusts. That's a conviction of mine. I started doing that because I wanted to see how it helped and, and what was going on and I found out what a blessing it was. So I do that every day. I don't teach other people to do that. My whole goal is to teach people to read their Bible and pray. I want people to get saved. After they get saved, I want them to get baptized. After they get baptized, I want them to join a church. And then I want them to learn the Bible and start changing their life to be more like Jesus. And that's it. As far as specifics, I mean, Caleb, my conviction is that we homeschool. I will never, right. ever put my kids in public school. That is a hill I am willing to die on. Literally, I will shoot whoever comes to my home from the government to try to take my children and put them in public schools. So anyone that's listening at the NSA or the FBI or the CIA okay, or the ATF, understand that a hail of bullets will come at your head if you ever try to take my children from me and put them in public school.
It is a religious conviction of mine. And you're ready I'm for so this? I'm so glad one? we restarted this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid yeah. that we, that we spare ourselves the, <laughs> the controversy. The NSA didn't have scandal. anything to do for months when we were taking a break. <laughs> Caleb, you ready for this? You want to hear a crazy conviction of Patrick's? If you put your kids in public school, then guess what your standards are? Your standards are those held by your public school. Right. You, your school board. And you say, oh, well, we don't believe that. Well, you're putting your kids into a system where they are taught that. You're allowing that. You don't have to, but you choose to do it. That is insane to me that any Christian would have their children in public school. Absolutely insane to me. I cannot get my head around it. It will never make any sense to me. And I know how hard it is to homeschool. And I know that you can't do it unless you're a single income family. And I know that America is not set up to be that way anymore. And that's done on purpose because they want your kids in public school so that they can make obedient subjects out of your children. But I will not do it. I cannot do it. That is a conviction of mine. And I think it is insane for Christians to put their children into public school systems. I don't teach that from the pulpit. Right. It's my conviction. It doesn't have to be yours. How many of the people that come to my church homeschool their kids? None. That's right. fine. I love them all. I love their children. I want to be there to help them in any way that I can to get closer to God. But it, it's not up to me. It's up to them and God. There is individual soul liberty. They don't have to do what I say. They don't have to look like I look. They don't have to believe what I believe. So if you can have strong convictions and live by your convictions, and those convictions come from the Bible, and you don't have to beat other people over the head with it, then you're not going to be a Pharisee. You're just not. Now, you're going to be called one. I mean, you're just, you know, the number of times I get called legalistic and pharisaical, I mean, it, you know, I just, I, the day, Caleb, I don't care what my critics say about me because I have never met an intelligent one that I respect. Not one of my critics hey, so do I believe to be intelligent, nor do they have my respect. So I don't care what they say. So I apparently associate with a little bit different crowd than you do, but because I do have people that are probably critical of, of what I do that I do consider and respect as, as intelligent Christians. But one of the things that I oftentimes will say back to some of them in the, in the, you know, in the case that they were concerned over me observing something from the old Testament, you know, Passover or the Sabbath or whatever it might be. Um, the, the, the tassels on the garments, whatever, whatever the, the issue might be. I am concerned with not becoming a hypocritical Pharisee. And I appreciate them bringing that concern up because oftentimes when, I mean, I don't mean somebody just asks honest questions. I always love engaging with people on honest questions. Agreed. Curiosity. Agreed. I love but it. When, I love talking about it. Right. But when somebody says, oh, hey, isn't that like, you know, isn't that like if somebody that keeps any Old Testament stuff, isn't that like a slap in the face to Jesus? Isn't, yeah. aren't they Pharisees? Aren't they being um, legalistic? Yeah. Well, what are you being as you like, aren't you being a little bit like judgmental toward me in what, in what you're saying? Aren't you a little, aren't we all a little bit like, like hypocritical and pharmaceutical, however you want to say that? I think pharmaceutical, that's, that's the pharm pharmaceutical. pharmaceutical. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
we all ha- we all have the tendency to be a little bit like Pharisees. I do. Christians do. You said the Pharisees were making up beliefs that were outside of the Bible. They were man-made traditions, and they were holding to them. Well, the same Christians that are criticizing me for being like a Pharisee are also going to church and observing, you know, Christmas and Easter and all these other things that were not made up. You know, they're they're made up man-made traditions that are in the did Bible. You just that aren't up in the Bible. Easter. <laughs> we are 45 minutes over time and you just brought up Easter. I know, I know. And we almost got your blood pressure down from the homeschool thing that I tried to just like brush over and pretend like that, that didn't happen. So anyways, yeah. So I think that we all are somewhat hypocritical and just because I'm observing old Testament laws doesn't mean that I'm more, more hypocritical than somebody else is. Oh, um, or vice versa. And so I think sometimes the conversation comes up and 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 uh, I do want to listen and hear somebody out when they have that concern about me because I certainly don't want to be that way. That hasn't typically been a, a concern that was voiced about me, but I've heard it voiced by Christians about other Christians or about Messianic Jewish people or about, about Jews, whatever. And I, I usually end up piping up kind of in their defense and saying, wait a minute, you can't just blanket roll these people because they obey one of the commandments, then now you can say that they're hypocritical Pharisees because the problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees is also something that we're doing in the regular Christian church. We're doing the same exact thing. We just have, we've got our problems in different areas. We have our own man-made traditions. We're still disobeying. We're preaching things that we don't keep. The same thing that the Pharisees are doing, we're doing as Christians. And so we're already guilty of that. So why be, why be gripped with fear of, 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 of obeying one of God's commandments because we're, we're going to be labeled as a Pharisee? Well, if if you want to label yourself as a Pharisee, go ahead and just take the label now because we're all guilty of it in the first place. And no, we shouldn't strive to be like the Pharisees. We should strive to be like Jesus. But Jesus happened to be an observing Jew. He was keeping the Sabbath. He was, yes, he was. He was taking he was observing the, the feast days. He was wearing yes, the tassels on his garments. Yes, he was, was he was the religious nut job that we would think of now mm-hmm. when we see somebody like Patrick and 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 that would be you know, that would be Jesus if he was in America. He was a normal guy in, in Israel because that's how everybody there was. They stood out from the nations around him, but he was just a normal guy. He didn't stand out. And just to continue with the comparisons of Patrick and Jesus, I also build furniture. Okay, so I am also okay. a carpenter as, as part of my trade. There you go. <laughs> okay, so here in Matthew chapter 15, uh, the Pharisees said to Jesus, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? So they flat out said, Jesus, why aren't you doing, and why aren't your disciples doing what the other Pharisees said to do? And Jesus responds to them and and tells them, uh, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah the pro, uh, uh, Isaiah's prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me, with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And these were G- Jesus. And it goes on to say that they are forsaking the commandments he, of God. Yeah, yep. and and that w- those were the problems. That see, okay, when somebody calls you legalistic. When someone calls you a Pharisee, that is the same as me having a Donald Trump 2024 sticker on my truck 
and someone someone that doesn't know me points at me and screams racist. Right. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Right. But rather than deal with the facts, they're just going to brand you as something that they know to be bad so they can summarily dismiss you and all your beliefs. It's the same thing that I have happen from the liberal, liberal, commie, pinko, nut job, tree hugging, you know, morons that don't want to deal with facts. They just want, they want to see a red hat from a half mile away and scream racist. Right. It's the same thing. You, you can't let it bother you. You're never like going to be. You can't it's fix the biggest, stupid. baddest word that they know. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, there he is. He's a racist. Okay. Great. Caleb, I yeah. had a great time. Uh, makes me uh, really uh, wish that uh, we had been doing this the whole time. This was wonderful. I got to get a lot of stuff out that's just been pent up, and I needed to. I needed to yell into a microphone so and shake my fist in the air. So thank you for being here yeah. when I got to do that. Thank you for yelling at me. It's been a while. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I enjoy it. And I'm glad that we're back on. Thanks for uh, building the fire under us to, to get this going or under me or whatever to get this going again. I'm Absolutely. So, again. so friends, uh, just don't forget that you can follow us on Google, Spotify, Apple, Audible, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. On Raspberry? N- or not Blueberry. Know. Just Blueberry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never even been on that platform, but we're on there. Yeah. Believe it uh, or not, me neither. Yeah. Uh, so don't, and also don't forget if you're listening to this podcast, you can get in touch with Caleb or I by sending an email to BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. Just address it to Caleb or I, and we'll make sure to get it forwarded to the right person. And then along with that, um, if you are listening to us on a podcast, you can always follow us on Facebook and on our YouTube channel. Just search for Bible Thumper Podcast, and you can watch the live video every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Oh, sorry, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. And you can comment and ask questions, and and you can get into the discussion with us. We appreciate you guys being with us and being a part of the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it.